I remember, I have great memories of that song. When I was in Africa many years ago with Marvin Phillips, um, they gave me a car to drive on the wrong side of the road, uh, and I was driving along with, um, riding along with um, a few of the members from a cappella, the group, and Keith Lancaster. And they let me drive all the way from Cape Town to Elizabeth, Cape Town, South Africa, to Elizabethtown, which is all the way on the other side, if you will. A long trip, but I remember singing that song. They would just sing. Man, those guys were so good. And I just was, I mean, I didn't have to put a tape in, a CD. I didn't have to do any of that. I just, we just rolled the windows down and went 80 miles an hour, and they were just singing that one. That was one that they were singing, and I, they just went on and on and on. I mean, telling you, they could sing that thing for a half an hour, and they would never lose that enthusiasm. Let us worship the Father. That is awesome, man. Thanks so much. Great memories. A man who goes to the family doctor because he's concerned that his wife has a hearing problem. But I really don't know how hard, you know, really how bad it is. So I need to find out. Doc, every time I say something to her, she doesn't hear a word I say. I have to repeat it three or four times. Well, the doctor said, way to find out how severe this deafness is. He said, just go home and try this. He says, tonight or something when she's got her back towards you and she asks her a question. Stand about 15, 20 feet away, ask her a question. If she doesn't answer, just move about five feet closer. Ask her again. If she doesn't, move closer until you find out how severe this deafness is. He said, that sounds a good idea. So he goes home and about time for dinner, his wife, sure enough, she's in the kitchen and she's cutting up some vegetables for stew that night. And he stands about 15 feet away, and he says, Honey, what are we having for dinner tonight? No response. He moves a little closer and says, Honey, what are we having for dinner tonight? No response. Moves a little closer. Honey, what are we having for dinner tonight? Still no response. He gets right behind her. I mean, right there. And simply says, Honey, what are we having for dinner tonight? And she replies, For the fourth time, we're having vegetable soup. I thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) The reason why I say that is because sometimes we think it's other person that needs the adjustment when it's really me. I find myself in that category oftentimes, and I have to apologize, repent, and hopefully learn a much-needed lesson. So let's talk about the heart today. The Bible speaks of the heart some 800 plus times in Scripture. It must have some importance, don't you think? Sure it does. It's used in connection with the inner heart of man, but also the physical heart of man, but the intellect as well. Oftentimes, it's used in the same verse. The Scripture says here in Psalms 26, Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. When is the last time that you ever thought about asking God to test you? I bet it doesn't come up on a daily basis nonetheless. But here he says, test me and examine my heart. That's a pretty good challenge for us. In Proverbs 20 he says, The spirit of man is a lamp of the Lord, to the Lord, of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of the heart the inner depths of the heart. There must be levels of our heart that we can get to. And you know that's true, don't you? And we'll prove that throughout the message today. 
God knows your heart condition, both physical and spiritual, whether you know it or not. What He wants from all of us is just to be honest and take an honest look at our heart. That's why it is that we say, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Not so that He can see, but so that we can see what the adjustments are that we need to make in our lives. Now, there was a time in, in, uh, where the Lord was grieved in His heart because man was filled with nothing but evil thoughts. Now, some might say, well, maybe that's in the uh, you know, Chicago Tribune or something. It would be right, wouldn't it? Of all the terrible things that happen, the shootings that take place uh, uh, every weekend or every day, seemingly. But actually, it was in the sixth chapter of the Bible, of Genesis. So six, six chapters in to this thing called the Bible, and God tells us exactly how He feels about the creation that He made, you and me. It simply says there, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of a human heart was only evil all the time. It grieved him so much that he said, I, I, I just regret that I've even made man. But praise God for verse number 8, and he says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That's a beautiful verse for all of us, because if it were not for that moment in time or that one verse, none of us would be here. Ouch. So I want to tell you today as we get started that one person, one person can make a difference in your life. One person, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, could be a teacher, could be a coach, could be a parent, could be a grandparent, it could be someone at church, someone you know that made, has made a huge difference in your life, seemingly at the right moment of time, they just walked into your life. Anybody been there besides me? Raise your hand. The rest of you know? I believe the answer is yes. Raise your hand. Keep it up. Maybe two or three, huh? Yeah. The one person that can make a difference. And I want to be able to tell you that today. That you can be that one. That you and I are called to be that one, in fact. Scripture tells us. So it is vital that we not give up on a world that seems to have lost its way and looks like it's very evil in many things it is, but not to give up. Not to give up. Oh, you may not save them all. We can't. But what about your family? What about the children that you've brought into this world? What about your grandchildren that your children brought into this world? Or if you're blessed, your great-grandchildren. Can you be a difference in their life, at least, in the spiritual sense of things? So I thought it would be wise for us to take a look at the heart and what the Lord says about the heart. And then I would ask and suggest that we do a spiritual examination of our hearts. And not an EKG and not a stress test thing going on here, but a spiritual heart check. To really open up our hearts to the Lord. Allow Him to open the eyes of our hearts so that we might actually see what's in there. And it might surprise some of us. Ask Him to open the eyes of our hearts. For by doing so, it might, we might discover something that changes us for the better. And certainly it might affect the world around us as it should. 
Now, the scripture we read there about Noah, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, that's interesting to me. So I looked at that again this week. The reason why it's interesting is because we don't really know a lot about Noah before this statement. In fact, all we know about him before this statement is in chapter 5 where it says his father, Lemonek, I believe it is, he was 182 years old and he had a son and he named him Noah. So let us know where he arrived at. And then in verse number 38 or 32 there it says, After Noah was 500 years old, he had sons, Sham, Ham, and Japheth. I wouldn't mind having the name of Japheth or Sham, but I don't know about Ham. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure somebody would have called me Spam and I wouldn't have liked it. But nonetheless. Now, I know, and you know, because you've read Scripture, I'm sure, you know about all the detestable things that Noah did after the flood. And they were terrible, no doubt. But yet, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Somewhere, somewhere between his birth and 500 years, he caught God's attention. So much so that God noticed it, and he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Hmm. How about you? That tells me that God notices what's going on in my heart. And I want you to know today that he knows exactly what's going on in your heart as well. Now, you know, in Scripture, it teaches us in the New Testament that someone else found favor in the eyes of the Lord, which was Mary, the mother of Jesus, of course. So I'm taking that, taking that you and I must guard our hearts above all things, for Scripture teaches us that. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything, not some things, but everything. And we'll prove that today in Scripture as well. I can promise you that He knows your heart. So when is the last time you asked Him, to allow you to see the depth of your heart. I promise you again that He knows your heart and everything that's in your heart. What He's wanting to do is for us to be able to say, open my eyes to my heart. Why? Why would one ever want to say that? It is so that we build a relationship with God that nothing is hidden. Nothing's hidden from God, but we try to hide it from ourselves, and we mess it up. Anybody? Let's cover this with Scripture. As we say, let's bathe it in Scripture. Here's a shotgun approach. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Anybody hear that? Raise your hand. How you doing with that verse? If you look in the mirror in the morning, do you look in there and just simply say, Lord, I love you with all my heart. Help me today to show that love, to prove it to the world around, my family first, to prove to the, my family that I love them with all of their heart. Before you, go to, before you go to school, before you go to work, do you pray with your kids? Or oh, I'm just too busy. They, we got to get the lunch done and they, you know, I got to comb out that Maddie hair and I got to get them, throw them in the van and I got to, and I just don't have time, Really? You teach them early in the morning who it is that you serve. 
as well as in the afternoon, as well as at dinner time, or as well as at bedtime when you read the little story and you pray with them. Teach them all of your heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You look at my height and my good looks. God says, I want to see his heart. That was kind of a joke, but I guess you didn't get it. But I do feel a foot and a half taller on this stage here. So ha, ha, ha. But he doesn't look at the outward appearance. We do. We say, oh, you look sharp today. Oh, you're beautiful. Love the new hairdo. Looks great on you if you have hair. But in that process, you do that. That's what we do. But the Lord says, I'm looking at your heart. Did you know he examines your heart even while you're sleeping? Wow. That's how much he cares for you. Did you, we, our great-grandson, we, we get to have him a little bit, not a lot, not as much as we want because we would just steal him away. And I see the Wilsons here today and you know that, don't you? They steal your heart. You ever watch them while they're sleeping? You're, you just, you're in awe. You're in awe of that creation of God. And you know it's yours from God. God looks at us because we are his children. Even while we're sleeping. In fact, Scripture says, while he sings over us while we sleep. I love that verse. Here's another one. For the eyes, or where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Nobody likes to talk about money, but God talks about it a lot. It's important. It's important to you because if you don't have enough at the end of the month, you can't pay all your bills, so it's very important to you. If you don't have enough, you can't take a vacation. And if you don't have enough, you can't retire. And on, 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 on. the list goes. But God tells us, where your treasure is, there is your heart. Someone said, show me your checkbook or show me your credit card receipts, and I'll tell you where your heart is. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Someone's saying, you know, I just feel like I don't have enough strength to carry on. Have you committed your whole heart to Him? Because His promise is He will give you the strength to be able to carry on, even in the midst of those storms in which you feel as though you can't carry on. All of man's ways seem right to Him, but the Lord weighs the heart yeah, this seems right to me. Boy, God must be in this because it feels real good to me. Ever hear that? Somebody tell you that? This must be right. I left my wife for another woman. This must be right because it just feels right. Really? He said, I see your motive. I see your motive behind all things. And then he says in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked, who can know it except for God? Now, according to Scripture, the heart can be trouble, as we know, trouble, wounded, pierced, grieved, and even broken. Broken, as we all know, that's true, isn't it? Because some of you, or all of us in this room, perhaps, at some point in your life, you have been through this process where you know your heart's been broken. My heart is just broken. My heart is grieved. My heart is wounded. My heart is troubled. We go through those times, don't we? However, know this. Thankfully, it can also be cheerful, glad, merry, joyful, and rejoicing, the Scripture teaches us. 
And I love that fact that it does. In Proverbs 15, it says, A happy heart, a joyful heart, a merry heart, a rejoicing heart makes the face cheerful. Some of you need to examine the heart. The heart can be, watch this, the heart can be whole or divided. Did you know that? It can be whole or divided. Scripture teaches on that. It can be whole or divided. We use a phrase like this sometimes. Um, well, part of me wants to, and part of me doesn't want to. Anybody? Part of me wants that other piece of chocolate, or that third piece of chocolate cake. And part of me says, no. We do that, don't we? It's called half-hearted. I've done hundreds of weddings, and I've yet to do one, one where a man stands there and I say, do you take her half-heartedly? No, not at all. It can be wise or it can be foolish. Your heart is foolish. Your heart is wise. Notice this, though. It can be steadfast. It can be true. It can be upright, brave, and valiant, Scripture says. It can also be frightened, faint, cowardly, and melt like wax. And if you don't believe that, ask my wife for the first time she saw me. That's a fact, and I'm standing on it. Can I get a witness? Amen. See there? That new pair of shoes is coming, honey. All right. <laughs> According to Scripture now, just look at his Scripture. According to Scripture, and this would be a great Bible class. So I wrote this down. I need to remind the elders because they need to remind me. You need to do a class on that. And for Jonathan, over in education. According to Scripture, heart can be wandering, forgetful, dull, stubborn, proud, hardened, wicked, and perverse. Now let's throw out the wicked and perverse because we just classify, that's a whole different category, isn't it? Sure it is. Hardened. You probably know someone, their heart has become hardened. I pray it's not you. We get connected with the proud heart, we get connected with the stubborn heart, we get the dull heart or the forgetful heart, but the one we all are connected with is the wandering heart. Every single one of us. Get connected to the wandering heart. Jesus refers to us in Scripture as sheep. A sheep without a shepherd. They go astray. Because sheep need a shepherd. He's not being ugly there toward us. He's just saying how ugly we can get. Even toward each other. Now, in this, we wander. Sheep wander. But people wander as well. So what does wandering do to us? This is for the Bible class again. Wandering leads to forgetting your first love. Did you know that? I promise you, guys, husbands, listen up. If you look long enough, you will wander. That's fact. If you ask God to guard your eyes and keep them where they belong, you won't wander. And you wander long enough, let me tell you what you do, you lose the heart of your first love. I've had to counsel too many. That's the truth. Wandering leads to losing your way. Wandering leads to temptation. Wandering leads to danger. And wandering can even lead to a thing called death. 
James tells us that. Sheep wander off. They don't just get lost. They get lost because they wander. That's right. Did you ever hear someone say this? Someone doesn't come to church for a while and they say, Oh, have you seen so-and-so? Where are they? Have you seen so-and-so? Where are they? Oh, I don't know. I guess they just wandered off. Really? When I was growing up, you don't hear it as much anymore, but when I was growing up, the old phrase used to say is this, they've fallen away from the church. Anybody hear that? Raise your hand. They've fallen away from the church. Now that might make sense to us as adults, but as a kid, that makes no sense. When I was a kid, oh, fall away from the church. Fall. What were they on top of the church putting shingles on and fall off? What happened? Actually, what happened in the truer term would be they wandered from the shepherd. They wandered away from the shepherd. And you know that story. We'll get to that in another time. Listen to what the psalmist says once again. We go back to David a lot in this heart thing because he really comes back to it because he was a man after God's own heart. Even all the wicked things that he did, all the terrible things that he did, even though he's a terrible father in many occasions and his kids didn't turn out very good, David always went back to the heart of the matter. He knew where to go, to the heart. Not a surface. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That's what kids say. When three and five-year-olds get in a fight, the parents say you're sorry. What do the kids do? Apologize. What do they do? Sorry. What What does that mean? You know good and well what that means. They're not a bit more sorry than anything. Stand them in a corner for a half an hour, they might apologize. Unless they're stubborn-hearted, right? Nonetheless, somebody's going to go, oh, you wouldn't make a kid stand in a corner, would you? Oh, my gosh, that's terrible. That's another story, but let's go on. But he says, David says back to him, he says, with my whole heart I have sought you. When's the last time you asked God or told God that? Lord, with my whole heart I'm just seeking you. It was so refreshing this week. I was at the hospital, been in the hospital almost every day this week, and, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing, but I will tell you, I was in the presence this week. Usually when I leave, uh, I'm still in thought of, you know, boy, it's tough. I got to pray for them. I got to pray for them. And I go to try to bless them in some way, encourage them, give them a word, and certainly have prayer. And as soon as I got home from the hospital late one night this week, I can't remember, I told Donna I was blessed. I was so blessed to go. Oh, tell me, tell me. I couldn't wait to tell her. She had perfect hearing. And, and so in that, I began to tell her because I saw this person in that moment that was unashamed, totally unashamed of their faith in God. It was a beautiful sight. And yet the world could have walked around it and said, hmm, they're a little strange. That's a little strange right there. And they could have cared less. And I could only say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love to see that. And it blessed my heart. 
Notice what he says. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments, your teachings, your truth, your way. Why? Because that's what we do. We wander. In this eight, I call this the eight-pound songbook that we had years ago. I, I don't know if the teenagers ever, did you ever know that we actually had songbooks? That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, if the electric went out or the PowerPoint went out, what would we do? Huh? Jesus loves me. Yeah, we can do that. But in the, the books, one of my favorite old ones, and, and I just started humming it when I was at this part of the message this week. And this one is called, Oh, the Fount of Every Blessing. And the words, I'm just going to read the second and third verse. I'm not going to say them. I'm going to spare you that. But watch this. Here I raise my Ebenezer. What's an Ebenezer? It's uh, Moses building this monument, if you will, this declaration, this, this, this whatever it is to, to declare, yes, to declare the Lord's goodness and he was with them. And there's more to do with that. But nonetheless, to know what an Ebenezer is, because I never knew that as a kid. Ebenezer, who is that guy? I saw that guy on TV around Christmas time. Right? All right. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Never let me wander from thee. Never leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for the courts above. Oh, what a message. Just in song. Much to our surprise, according to Jesus, our heart can also be pure. As we mentioned last week, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now some said, yeah, that's the afterlife. No, 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 that's the here and now. No, I can't see God. What do you mean seeing God? Well, my mother's in heaven, but I can see my mom anytime I want to. I've never seen Abraham Lincoln, but I can see him. And we can see God. You and I must be able to then see God. Scripture says that, but it requires something, a pure heart. How does one require a, a pure heart? You have to open the eyes of my heart, Lord. God sees it, but you have to open mine up so I see it, so I can filter all that out so that I can see you. Because when I'm out of me, i got to remember, remember who's in me, the Holy Spirit, God himself. All right, don't misunderstand this next segment I'm going to teach because I promise you someone will misunderstand it. So if you listen to the whole thing and not rush the judgment, it may pay off. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 10. He's very clear to the people at Rome. He's very clear to us at Western Hills and the world. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. To be a Christian, our heart must connect with His heart. 
until you engage your heart, believe with your heart, you are not his. It's not the water and it's not the prayer. For you can pray until you're blue in the face or get and jump in the water daily, but until the belief in your heart is moved by God himself, it is just motions that one goes through or others demand of you. But, 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 hang on, we're getting to the but. It's the heart that must be connected for it to be genuine. It's the heart. When your heart is truly His, He becomes your first love. Above your bride, He becomes your first love. Your first Then you pray to him out of the relationship of love and out of that true love from the heart. You will then surrender freely to him and gladly experience the new birth that he offers so that your sins can be removed and washed away forever. All because the eyes of your heart were opened open to receive His great love for you through Jesus the Christ on the cross. That's why it's the greatest love story ever told. Because it comes from the heart of God. It comes from Him and can be received by anyone that opens their heart enough to receive it. As Jim pointed out in class today, grace is available to all, not some. And salvation is available to all if your heart is right with God. Because He knows your heart. He knows your motive. The heart is connecting, is connecting point. It's the meeting place between two any individual people or persons. The kind of deep soul intimacy we crave with God and with each other can only be experienced from a heart. Prove that. In order, in our relationship that matters the most to us in our life, it always has to be connected, it always is connected to the heart. It's a heart-level thing. It's not a project. It's a heart thing. We want to be the desire of that person's heart. And we want to be the desire of God's heart. So too does God desire our hearts. Have you given yours to Him is the question. How do we know that? 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful. Can I hear an amen? Who has called you, 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 and all the yous in this room into fellowship with His Son, Jesus the Christ, our Lord. Much to be said about that verse. But know this. There's a word there that is powerful for us today. The word fellowship in this verse, in the Greek, it simply means to be one with God. One with God. Not God, but one with God. One with God. 
God's desire is that you would be one with him, like a man is with his wife. Not a man with a man, but a man with his wife. Scripture points out plainly they become one. And what a beautiful thing he has connected it to. They become one. That kind of relationship is the relationship that God wants with you. And isn't that awesome? To know that God wants to marry up with you. God wants to join you and be one with you in fellowship. Have you accepted it is the question. Or for some, have you forgotten your first love? It's easy to do when you wander. Think about it this way. I thought of my wife and I said, I love my wife from my heart. But how do I know that? How do I just not say I love her? And it's a surface love. Like some of you, I say I love you and I love you, but it's only to a depth of my heart which I put into a compartment. But my love for my wife is different. How do I know that? I love her from the heart. Well, when I'm away for, from her for any length of time, my heart hurts. I can't explain it. I, I can't just put my finger on it. But my heart hurts. And that hurts because we are one. We're just one. Part of me is missing when I'm not with her. Part of me is missing because we are one. When she hurts, I hurt because we are one. And when you know, you know, you know you love, that depth, you know true love. Because that's what love does. Love hurts but it's necessary for it to be true love. This is not puppy love. This is not eighth grade. Oh, I love her, and tomorrow I can't stand her. No. It's I will, I do, until death do us part. I love. Period. Real quick on this. Did you know that Christians can spend their whole lives mastering all sorts of principles? Principles are important. They're good to learn. But they can spend their whole lives mastering these principles and doing the Christian duty, if you will, carrying on the programs throughout the church. And let me just insert there. We have tons. I think there's over 40 different areas of ministries, maybe broke down in those, that you can be involved in. Are you involved? No, somebody else can do that. Okay. But people can actually master the principles and the Christian duty and being busy and doing things and never know God intimately, heart to heart. How sad yet how true. Proverbs once again says these words, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. That is a powerful verse. Write that one down and put it on your refrigerator. 
Because God cannot be mocked. God says, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. Ask yourself again, am I seeking God? Am I truly seeking you today, God? Am I really seeking you and what I just told those people, that joke? Am I really seeking you when I didn't? And I, am I really seeking you? If you'll just put that in the front, it changes the way you look at your day. What more can be said of that? What greater case could ever be made than this? To find God, you must look with all of your heart. To hear from God, you must listen with all of your heart. For there's where He speaks. To love Him, you must love Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now watch this, what love does. Love not only hurts you, love zaps you of your strength. Anybody know that? Love will zap you of your strength. That's why when you lose someone you love, you become weakened. You're actually spent. I have done hundreds of funerals. And I have seen thousands of people totally exhausted because of love. That's what love does to you. It zaps you of your strength. But good news, love can give you the strength to move mountains. Listen, guys, you meet the right woman, I guarantee it. As the Cajun guy said, right? I guarantee that love will move mountains or you'll make sure they're moved so you can get to her. Can I get an amen from somebody? Every, every husband here ought to say amen because if you don't say amen, that wife's going to be talking to you in the car on the way home. I'm here to tell you. What, 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 why don't you speak up? We'll pick on the ladies next week. Guys, you know better than that. Hang in there. Here we go. You cannot be the person God meant you to be, and you cannot live the life that God has called you to live unless you live from an open heart. You can't do it. God longs to have a heart-to-heart heart relationship with you, and to prove that, He did His very, His most, the, the most awesome gift that He gave. He gave it all, which was His Son, to prove that he wanted a relationship with you. Think about that. I have to tell people that and remind people. There's about 8 billion people or so on planet Earth, or 6 point something, I don't know what the number is. But God gave his son for you. If it would only been you on planet Earth, God said, I want a relationship with you. And to get a relationship with you, because you can never be good enough, I am going to send my son... He is going to carry your sin to the cross. They're going to bury him in a grave. They're going to roll that tombstone away. The angels will. And he's going to come out of that grave. And if you put your faith, hope, and trust in him with all of your heart, I'm going to now have a relationship with you that is everlasting love. You, he did that for you look in that mirror every day, and I don't care how rough your week's been, and I don't care if you said some things you regret, ask for forgiveness, and, and, and move on from that. I don't care if you've been married five times. You remember what Jesus did, don't you? 
don't, I, that's not my concern. My concern and God's concern is your heart today. Look in the mirror and simply say, I am a child of God. And I want you to open my heart so that I might see what it is that you see in me. So that when I leave this place today, that I will be better off than when I came. Now that is love. A love worth finding. So are you ready? The question comes. This is a thing that's a tradition for us. I don't find it in the Bible anywhere, but I do find it in our, uh, I don't know, our minutes somewhere back in the 1800s. <laughs> are you ready? Are you ready to ask God to open the eyes of your heart for the very first time? Think about that. If you've never accepted Christ, this could be your moment. A moment in history, your moment, when all the angels are standing and they're just waiting for you to surrender your heart to God, they're ready to celebrate with you that you surrendered your heart to God. So are you ready? Are you ready to ask God to open the, uh, your eyes to your heart so that you might see your sin, so that you might allow Him to rush in and wash that white as snow? Or, for some, it might be that you have forgotten, that you have wandered a little bit, or maybe a whole lot. Maybe it is that you need to ask Him again to open the eyes of my heart, Lord, so that I might see you. Whatever your need is, you come right now. It's together we stand and sing.